0: Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesch. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless, but at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives, how we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Margot Purcell. Margot is a compassionate and thoughtful leader who is helping to cultivate a community of learners that are deeply connected and driving economic growth in Alberta and beyond. As a co founder and CEO of Inception U, Margot is responsible for the overarching success of learning programs and corporate offerings. She works closely with her co founders, industry, and government partners to develop accessible programs that reflect the needs and opportunities that exist within Calgary's innovation ecosystem. She is also one of Inception essential skills facilitators. Margot is a longtime entrepreneur, a graduate of Leadership Calgary, a licensed Lumina learning practitioner, and certified LifePath. Practitioner. Since 2004, she's operated her own consulting company, open to possibilities, and worked across a wide variety of industries, delivering leadership and career development. In November of 2019, Margot traveled to Mary Schuss, where she was an expert in residence at the African Leadership University, an experience she will never forget. Margot has a slight addiction to HGTV enjoys water polo, spicy food, and takes great enjoyment in watching her two kids grow into amazing young adults. Thank you so much for joining me today, Margot. Thanks for having me. So I would like to start off by learning more about you and your story and mm. what led you to become the co-founder and CEO of Inception U.
1: Yeah, um, I, I often tell people that my history is that I'm a recovering insurance broker. And when people see what I'm doing now and they think, and you were what an insurance broker? It's like, how do those things match? And it's uh, it's quite The journey has not been linear, Um, just like the learning here is not linear. And so it's, it's kind of reflective of a larger pattern in my life. I really started off as really wanting to be in front of people, inspiring others. And so I started my university. I started as a theater major. I graduated with a politics degree and then I started studying psych. I just, I couldn't decide. I'm like, how do you ask me to pick one major? They're all so interesting. I ended up in insurance and I actually really, really loved insurance for the time I was there. Um, it brought me west. I was uh, originally in Ontario and I ended up coming to Calgary with the company. I became the trainer and educator with the company and in the Calgary office and just started to find that that wasn't necessarily what I loved learning and I loved helping others learn. Uh, I wasn't sure that what I wanted to help them learn was in and around insurance and, and in, in and around customer experience and that kind of thing. So I decided, well, I'll get pregnant. That's my ticket out. And I don't recommend that as a career management strategy. Um, <laughs> I figured I'd, I'd take a look at where where else did I want to go and, and where else might I want to apply what I was discovering about myself. I knew I was uh, at my core that I was someone who really did love facilitating and teaching I also knew I didn't belong in a more traditional conventional setting for that and I wasn't sure what that setting was I had some life events happen that made me you know while I was on mat leave that made me stop and reflect where am I going and uh, and what am I doing and what is that what is purposeful for me and then uh, just decide not to go back. Not to go back to insurance, and while, and then I decided I'd have another kid because that kept me busy, and and it gave me a reason to not have to look at myself, <laughs> and then I'd be like, are you ever going to go back to work? I don't know. Uh, and eventually what i ended up in a conversation with someone where they were telling me that would what, what would really be helpful is doing some self discovery from there what i discovered is i love i love helping people figure out what they're meant to do i love helping them find their way of being successful and and so then i started my own consulting firm Back in 2004, I like to joke around, I had no business being in business, and uh, it's what would work for us and our family it was for me to do it for myself rather than taking full time role. I did consulting in team effectiveness, communication effectiveness, leadership development and career leadership for about 16 years. and. In that process, getting involved in different things in the community, met uh, the co-founders. And what we saw was we each had practices that were really building on the how people do what they do and how they think more effectively and how they are with others and how they can be more creative and so on. And we each brought pieces of that and said, that's what's actually missing. The technical skills are important. That's what you do how you do it can differentiate yourself from others and can actually lead to better outcomes for the company, for the product for yourself. And we saw that that wasn't around and we decided well, you know especially with the downturn, it went so deep uh, and it went so long and it went so broadly. We that there was an openness and there was like this window of opportunity, that different kind of thinking. people were open to it in ways that we hadn't experienced up until then. So we decided well, these skills are needed. We didn't see anyone else doing them. Well, let's build it right that humans have a tendency, we see that um, if they can't see it, they don't, they don't know it. I mean, none of us were asking for a computer in our pocket, and we've got them. So you know, it's how do we actually, uh, once they can see it, if you've built it, and they can see that there is another possibility, then they're more willing to actually step into it. So, yeah, we decide, well, let's just build an alternative. It's a complement to what's already there. And so we set up Inception U. We whiteboarded it for a while till we came up with the name. And the first opportunity for our understanding of what was needed for learning, um, and particularly for adult learning is where we've started, it, We we saw that there was a need for full stack development talent. And we said, well, what if we built a different kind of developer we will create an accelerated learning experience where the whole person, they get to develop their whole selves. And so we each were able to bring in our components and then match it and have it interwoven with learning how to do software development. And uh, and then one day I just said to my co-founders, we need one of us to be CEO. So I'll do it. Tell me if you think I can't. That's totally okay and tell me if you think I can. And if you think I can, what do you see are my strengths and weaknesses? And that's how I became (laughs) CEO. That's amazing. What an incredible story. And what
0: really stands out for me is just your ongoing sense of curiosity all along the way thank like the you. conversations that you're having and that journey of self discovery and then having children and having to really self reflect mm-hmm. i resonate with that a lot and mm-hmm. then and even in looking to potentially step into that role of ceo asking for yeah. that feedback cuz that's a very vulnerable thing to do
1: <laughs> i guess it was it just kind of came out of my mouth i had had thank you um And I had had uh, an experience where I got to go, I got to go and be an expert in residence at at the African Leadership University. And that was really quite mind-opening, eye-opening. And it was from that, and I was working with all these students and engaging with these students who were taking those chances and were being super courageous. And, you know, once, once you've been exposed to that, how could I not demonstrate that same kind of courage if they were demonstrating in circumstances that were often far more precarious than mine. And so that was what, when I came back from that and I said, we need one of us to be focused a little more on the company growth um, than, than any of us. We were kind of sharing it. I said, we, it would be helpful to have a point person that everyone knew, oh, that's the person to contact. And at least we can channel them to the right um, people in the organization. And I And I was willing to try it out.
0: That's fantastic. So what I would love for you to do is paint a little bit of a picture for us about when you're working with people and supporting them at Inception U, like, what does that look Mm -hmm. like?
1: So what does that, what does that experience Mm. look like for them? For them? Well, our ultimate approach and the principles on which we built all of this is that we're not, and we talk about, we're not the sage on the stage. What our role is to do is to create the environment for them to take their learning as far and as deep as they can. And then we facilitate it. And we even use the word facilitator rather than teacher instructor because if we go back to the root of that word, facil or facilis in Latin, it's to make it easier. And that's our role is to kind of help them identify any barriers they may be encountering and find their way through those barriers. Um, So when someone comes in, first off, when we do our, our intake process, we're looking for people who are ready for change, who are really wanting to make some change in their lives, who have an openness to learning to different perspectives to looking at themselves as well. And, uh, and then we bring them in through a, um, we actually start with unlearning first. And that's something we learned over many, many cohorts. We're currently in cohort 10, for our full stack developer program. And that's where we've done our testing and iterating. And what we started to find was, we've often been so conditioned that learning is a straight line. And you have to learn this in order to be able to do that. And then then you can learn the next thing. And, and that's not actually reflective of how our brains learn, nor is it reflective of how life is. And when we go out into the work world, you're not given a straight line and, and you just progress in a straight line. You're constantly uncovering and finding new things and they're emergent. And we wanted people to be able to be equipped with that ability to respond to emergent things, even if they can't possibly know what they are so we Built in some unlearning, like unlearning what learning even is, and then we do some deep work on themselves and uh, and career discovery in a different way, which is actually going deep reflections on you and being able to articulate this is what rewarding and fulfilling work looks like for me. And only from there do they start to make different career and educational choices. The foundation of the program that we've got is the same with every cohort, however, no cohort is the same because the people in the room aren't the same. And we're able to adapt not only to industry requirements, we're also able to adapt to the individuals in the room. So when we get to a certain point in the learning and we're establishing some foundations of agile principles and critical and creative and systems thinking and setting the foundation to learn how to learn, then once we get into the program, we start to see that there's some differentiation that happens. And there are some people, there's some things, and I think we've all experienced it, some things like you can't get enough of it, you learn it super fast, and then other things are more challenging to learn. Well, we're able to respond alongside them. And so we start offering some choice for them in their own learning path. You know what? I thought I understood that. I'm realizing I don't because I'm trying to do it here and where it worked there, it doesn't work here. Hmm. So we offer some revisit opportunities. Not everybody has to go. In fact, we encourage people who already get it Let's create the space for people who need to revisit this to be able to ask the questions they most need to ask and to be able to dive in. And then for those who are saying, I get it, and I'm looking for the next step, or we talk about mild, medium, spicy. So we say, okay, here's the mild level for everyone. And then they say, well, I get it. Okay, we're like, oh, you get it? see if you can make it do this because it's, it's like much learning. It's, it's layers and you're going broader and deeper and broader and deeper each time. And it's the same with whether it's a computer language or whether it's a spoken language, it's going to be that you're taking it broader and deeper each time. So we offer up, choose your own deep dives where we offer like medium and spicy levels. And we say to those who are more in that mild space, we're like, you can watch And this is their space for them to dig deeper and so on and so uh and don't get overwhelmed like if you want to see where things can go great and if it's overwhelming it's okay like we've set these up for them and then the other thing that we offer is we start offering choose your own explore what else is interesting to you tech and innovation is massive you can go in so many different directions So we start saying, well, what else is interesting to you? And then we go out to industry and we say, hey, could you do something on product one on one? Could you do something on machine learning one on one? We've had entrepreneurship one on one come in based on who is in the cohort and what's most appealing to them. So that's kind of what a learning experience looks like overall.
0: Well, it sounds amazing. And as an educator, and uh, previously, recently, I was an educator of people who are wanting to step into the role of teacher. So teachers to be Mm. so much of what you're saying just aligns with me so much, because really, the best teachers are those mentors and guides and facilitators. And it really is all about the people in your room. And they are so different and they're going to be interested in different things and have different questions and learn best in different ways and be ready to take those next steps at different times and explore those layers, as you said, at different times as
1: well. Yeah. Well, and that diversity of backgrounds that people have, the diversity Mm -hmm. of education, of industry, of age, of culture, of All of that, uh, neurodiversity, you name it, it actually drives deeper, richer learning, which, if we're looking at full stack development, and it also drives better product and better, not only better learning outcomes, better tech outcomes. And so that we also foster is embrace um, and understand how other people might have seen or approached things, get curious about it. And if we're curious about Other person about the other approach. It also reduces a lot of friction that we often encounter in trying to create something new because rather than sticking with, well, this is my like a position, we're rather seeking what's the shared interest we have. Then we can see the approach we're each taking could actually create a new approach altogether. Perhaps if we're curious about the other person's approach, we can see where our approach might be more effective or less effective and adapt. And it's really that. That broad range of folks that come through here that really adds to and enhances that learning experience as well.
0: So you talk about the idea of unlearning and changing the way (laughs) that we think about things is really (laughs) difficult. I'm reading the most interesting book right now by um, organizational psychologist Adam Grant. It's called mm-hmm. Think Again, The Power of Knowing mm-hmm. What You Don't Know. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Um, but there is such a tendency to hold on to the way that we just have always done things. Yeah. So what does it mean to be future fit? And how can we yeah. really embody this idea? We use future
1: fit and specifically instead of future proof. Future-proof, you are guarding yourself against the future, and you can't. And you're taking energy to protect yourself from it that could be used if you were future-fit to actually build, create, produce something else. Um, So with future-fit, it's kind of like physical fitness. You know, when you start, you know, maybe it's hard to climb up that little hill, you know, and then you you work and you get to the point where, oh, it's a breeze. And now you're, I'm going to go to the foothills and you and it's hard and it's hard and then now that's easy and then you work your way to I'm going to climb the mountain you know it's becoming fit and being able to respond to the rapidly changing conditions around you and that's what future fitness is is really how do we help people equip themselves to be able to do that that even if they have no idea where to start something brand new is put in front of them they don't know how long it's going to take they don't know all the steps they know they know how to figure it out, and mm-hmm. that's what being future fit is: is being equipped with that ultimate, rekindling that curiosity we're all born with. I mean, you're talking about kids. Well, w- many of us have experienced, most of us, that you give them a gift, you give them a toy, and they play with a box, right? Like it's there's just this natural curiosity, or they turn it over, you're like no, 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 play with the buttons, and like, I want to see how it works. We are naturally curious beings. And so it's rekindling that and having them build the confidence in their own competence that they do have the ability to figure these things out. And if they don't have it themselves, that they also have these other resources in their life that they can draw on to figure it out as well.
0: Yeah, those are fantastic skills. Um, And very much sort of that 21st century learning philosophy of Mm -hmm. being ready for change, because change is very inevitable. And I I really love the terminology that you're using and not, you know, proofing yourself or protecting yourself from that change, really empowering yourself to be ready. It's a very different way of
1: looking at that. Thank you. Well, one of the risks of future proofing is you actually miss an opportunity because you're spending so much time trying to guard yourself or uh, avoid or prevent something that you actually miss an opportunity because it was emerging right there. And yet you were focused over here. And so how do we help people be able to respond to without just saying, well, change is the new normal? That's like suck it up, buttercup. I've never really seen it be effective. So instead, if people have the confidence that they can respond and recognize, oh, there's probably going to be some anxiety at some points, there's going to be some doubt, there's going to be that. And that's part of it. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me and that they can at least anticipate that then they can respond more readily to the to the rapid pace of change. Absolutely.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Now I wanted to ask you a little bit about hard skills and soft skills. So
1: yeah, those are
0: bo- <laughs> both very much a part of the work that we do. And I know that you yeah. use a term um, of essential skills. So what category yeah. would those fall into? And why are they so hard
1: to learn? Yeah. I've laughed forever about people calling them soft skills. And especially when I look at the the work I did as a consultant, I mean, they were the first stuff that got cut whenever there was a downturn. It's, ah, we don't have the money or time for that. And so if we, essential skills... And I, I can't take credit for this term. It was a really good friend and colleague that I saw her post something about. It. I don't know where she came up with it, that it would be more in the soft skills kind of area and that they're not soft. They're actually essential. It's the how you do what you do. And it can differentiate you from someone with the same hard skills that you've got. And so that's where the uh, the essential skills would fit is more in and around the what would be more commonly known up until now as the soft skills. And that's why I used to laugh when people would call them soft because I'm like, if they're so soft, why are they so hard to learn? These aren't nice to haves. These are need to have skills. They are the things that differentiate humans from machines. These are the things that only humans can really do, is that, that kind of creativity, that imagination, and all of those things that go around and through, and that ability to communicate what it is that we're seeing, what it is that we're trying to do, to communicate with others, to be curious about others, and then through communication, learn with others, through others, um, and, and so it's all of that, and especially what we look at as well as the design mindset. And so not a design process that will go well if you have a design mindset and a design mindset. When we look at that, we start with, well, first, what does success look like? We need to start really seeing what that would be. Then design is creating the conditions for success. And so if people are equipped with a design mindset, understanding how do humans behave and how do they think, including looking at yourself including looking at your biases, including looking at all these things that are very human and yet could limit how effective we can be and what problems we can truly solve. If we do all of that, then when we actually go to design something, we are going to design a solution rather than designing something that just causes other problems. Ooh, yes.
0: (laughs) I do (laughs) like that so much because we do hear so much about that design thinking process, but Mm -hmm. I appreciate having that mindset and that approach within yourself um, as being so powerful in being able to have that process really come to life.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Thanks. And I know um, our youngest is actually heading next year to the STEM Innovation Academy. It's a charter school here oh, in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. And it's so much about that. It's about being curious and being given a prob- problem and to, um, to really develop that mindset, as you say, mm-hmm. to, able to approach those problems and to realize that there isn't just one way or one solution to solve it so we're really excited about him being able to go it was just a matter of his name being randomly drawn out of a hat (laughs) it was a lottery but we're so happy (laughs) it's a good fit for him so we're excited that he'll uh, be be learning those skills himself so uh tech this is one industry that is growing so here in calgary Mm -hmm. and around the world so how can people actively take part in this industry?
1: Now, that's an interesting one because they what we've encountered over the many years now, as well as that um, people will often think that I have to be a software developer to be in tech. And one of the things we point out is every single organization and company will be a tech organization and company to some degree. You know, that might not be the main purpose and focus of what they do and, and what's Function they're serving in in their community and society, and it's the reality. And we all have digital capability. If you're using any kind of digital, anything you have digital capability. So for people to realize that there are so many pathways in, and being able to build any kind of digital capability is going to be valuable. And so then, what are the ones that? And I like to talk a lot about. Um, we we hear so much about upskilling and reskilling and. And I think, you know, language matters. And psychologically, if I tell someone they're upskilling, I'm basically saying what you've got isn't good enough. Like, hmm. And if I'm telling them that they're reskilling, I'm telling them everything you have is worthless and now you need to completely redo them. And we like to talk about additional skilling because you don't lose the skills you've got you're adding to them. And so then if people start thinking of that additive and enhancing the skills, knowledge, and experience they already have with digital capacity, then it opens up all sorts of different avenues. If we look at any organization, any company, they don't just have that one kind of role. Like tech companies don't just have software developers. They can't. They also have accounting and HR and finance and marketing and all these other things. And so to be in the tech and innovation ecosystem and in that sector, again, any digital understanding you can gain will set you up to be conversant and competent in the tech and innovation in a tech and innovation organization, even if you're not the person who's actually writing the code. Does that answer that one?
0: Oh, absolutely. No, I really love that. And as I listen to your responses. I'm just so inspired by how you are reframing the way that we think about Mm -hmm. teaching and learning and approaching new situations, new knowledge, new skills. Uh, It makes me feel like I would love to be a part of your programs at Inception. (laughs) You and I would just feel so inspired because there's a lot of anxiety that comes with learning something new, Um, adding to our repertoire of knowledge and skills and getting it, it feels uncomfortable. It's, yeah, it's a very vulnerable and comfortable experience. And um, just listening to you describe the way that you work with people at inception you and how you really see them as people and value that relationship and how you guide them on that journey. And you're, you're really taking into account the whole person it's incredibly mm. inspiring. So it just makes me want to learn more and more. Thank you. But, <laughs> Thank yeah, yeah, we could be we could be talking for hours. I keep thinking of more <laughs> questions that I want to ask, but we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it uh, under a reasonable amount of time. I want okay. to talk a little. I want to talk a little bit more about you and um, you personally, and some of the people and experiences that have really influenced your journey. So a question I like okay. to ask is what is it, who's a favorite teacher or what is a favorite learning experience that you've had and why does that person or experience really stand out for you?
1: Oh my gosh. I have a laundry list. Like uh, and I come from a, a teaching family. So it was also um, my dad was a, a senior principal in our school board in Ottawa. And so I used to never know which teachers I was going to come across on our summer holidays <laughs> up at the college. And one that really stands out for me, because it was it wasn't just what we did in the classroom together. It was also the opportunities that she saw potential in me and, and gave me opportunities that were definitely stretch and yet she saw I had the the pot, the potential to do it and so it was my drama teacher one of my drama teachers uh, Valerie Toulngram who I called Justa and that's a long story um, and what it was it was how she would you know, it was a creative class and, and I found her fascinating too. She also did business. She taught business and theater. I'm like, Ooh, and I thought that was really interesting. And it was the condition she created for us to really go and, and, and explore what we could do. And then when, if, if I even said to her, like, you know what, I'm, I'm starting to realize I don't, I don't love, I love being on stage. I don't love acting. And yet I loved being on stage. And I also really loved making making the conditions for people to be able to do their best acting on stage. And so she gave me, like, I was assistant producer on plays. So it was like every second year, I would be an assistant, I'd be on stage, and then I'd be an assistant producer, and then I'd be on stage. <laughs> and and I, I, really, I had no business <laughs> being assistant producer for our school play. And she she believed in me, and she trusted that I would follow through and that I would do and that she could lean on me. And to have someone like that, when I was 15 years old, leaning on me and trusting that she could, that just gave me a confidence to reach into other things, and to look at my own potential and to see the potential in me that others saw in me instead of dismissing it and taking it for granted. And that tends to be what I've work to foster in our cohorts, too, is just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's not valuable. And so let's not take our talent for granted and rather really truly recognize and be able to articulate what that talent is. And I am so grateful, especially for the non-academic things that that, that Valerie Tull and Graham helped me see in myself and learn in less traditional ways.
0: So it really sounds like she not only had an impact on you at that time, but her impact is still felt so much in the work that you're doing today. Have you ever told yeah.
1: her how you feel? I th- I have, actually, because I do, uh, I do every once in a while, I still see her when I go to Ottawa. Oh, <laughs> like, amazing. Hey, do you know... And because growing up with um, growing up with teachers, I also saw that often and I think it's this way in just about any any company, any organization, the people who take the time. To voice what their experience was are often the ones that are negative. <laughs> so, uh, and so you tend to hear all the things that you didn't do, all the things you know that the that the school is missing, and so on. And and I saw how much of an impact it would have when someone got to hear what they did do and the the positive effect that they had on someone else's life. So I have made sure to tell. I I, I know I've told her, and maybe it's time I tell her again. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's
0: it's always I always try and encourage people to remember to share with that incredible teacher if they can the impact that they that that person had, because I think so often for teachers, they maybe never know um, the true impact that they had when a child was in grade two or grade seven or grade 11 or whatever it might have been. So um, she sounds like an amazing teacher. Yeah, And I wanted to ask you too, you've had the most interesting journey. You've tried so many different things (laughs) and experienced so many different things. When you look back at your journey so far, what is something that you're the most proud of?
1: My persistence. I see that something better is possible. So I I like to say that I'm a rule follower with a rebellious streak because I do. I follow the rules. I like following the rules. (laughs) And then I see that something better is possible. And it's not going to happen by doing it the way we've always done it. And then, and if I'm really, really passionate about it, I persist. And I used to think, and it's fun, I, I share this when I do the career work with the cohorts as well. I share that I used to think that I was someone who had all these big ideas, didn't know where to start, uh, would get overwhelmed and didn't start at all. And then I had to recognize that's not true. <laughs> like I built a business from scratch and then I built another business from scratch. And when I really see that something is possible, even in the face of being told can't be done. It's like, can't be done. is like, Oh really? Game on. (laughs) And so I will persist. And I, and if it's really purposeful and meaningful, I will persist until it comes to fruition. That's
0: amazing. And that persistence is such a beautiful quality to have and congratulations on all of your success that came with (laughs) being persistent. Um, I have some rapid fire questions for you and okay. I know you had a look over these questions and one of them you felt like it'd be hard to pick one thing, which I can appreciate. So um, what is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn how to do?
1: Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly curious about how to be a better human being and all the different ways that we can do that and people who are also engaging in how do we be better humans so that we can actually nurture others and nurture the planet and uh, my co-founder said you know when people are saying well we have to save the planet no actually we have to save us mother nature's gonna make it folks <laughs> like we are optional so how do we be better humans and and so if I really put it down one of the topics that's helping me really dig into that even more is regenerative thinking regenerative processes regenerative businesses so really anything in and around regenerative and regeneration Uh really gets me excited. And, and I'm, I'm a novice at it. Um, and anyone that I can learn from uh, and alongside in that area gets me really excited because I see that as a pathway to becoming a better human being.
0: I love that. Now, here's the hard question.
1: What okay. is a place that is at the top of your travel bucket list? <laughs> I I wanted to cheat and say, Well, I'd take a year off and travel the world. There's the place, the world. (laughs) And then I was thinking, Oh, you know, I really would love to truly experience the north and the northern lights and and the science and behind it and, and and nature. And then when I really, really thought about it, if it wasn't completely if there if there ever becomes a way that it's not completely environmentally degrading. I would love to go to space. I would love to see our Earth for the way it actually is and and the awe that, that we even exist. Like all the things that had to come together and to really, truly experience the tininess and the vastness of the Earth in one, that would be life-altering. I
0: can't even imagine what that experience
1: would be like. Did you watch First Man? No, with Ryan Gosling. I haven't. When I watched, oh, when I watched First Man, that's what really struck me. As as he was coming back, how do you how do you compute what you just experienced with now the day to day, and we got to get the laundry done, and we got to you know, and the things that humans tend to get upset and worried about. How do you how do you put those back together when you've had an experience that no one else on the planet has had. I don't know.
0: Wild. Just wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think those opportunities are likely becoming more common and possible, which is quite intriguing and interesting. So perhaps there's another one, but is there a book, podcast, movie, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently?
1: And this is where it's like the recency bias, right? What was the last thing I just (laughs) read? It's like, ah... Um, I will say that one that's had a a very significant impact on my thinking and on my, on what I'm digging into and and where I might want to dig into and shifting my perspective is actually right behind me uh, called the dawn of everything. So why is it the dawn of everything? A new history of humanity. And it's really challenging how we've looked at human development over the very short time humanity has been on the planet, like really, if we put it in a visual, we are like a second in a 24 hour clock. And it's really challenging how we've been looking at it, what human development is, and, and challenged a lot of the assumptions that I think many of us carry and that we've been taught. And it has me fired up to continue to dig into places I probably never would have dug into.
0: Ooh, that sounds like a fascinating read. I may have to add that mm-hmm. to my list. If you could, it's, it's
1: a, it's a monster. So I, okay. okay. The audio. I eventually I audio booked it. Cause I'm like, I can't keep carrying that on the train. It's like, really <laughs> big, but it's, it's excellent.
0: That's good to know. I know for some books, the audio version is just fantastic. I love being able yeah. to just listen and be able to walk outside and kind of take it in. And yeah. especially for those particularly heavy books, that sounds like a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Now, if, if you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to
1: learn from, who would it be and why? It's just Can the person be living or non-living? Yes, either or. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my heart instantly says my dad. And my dad's no longer with us. He w- was an educator. And I would love to be able to share what I'm doing. I would love to be able to hear his thoughts and insights and perspectives what he saw needed to be done that he and what he did towards it. And perhaps if he could do, if he, if he could continue, what would he have done? And then, and then, yeah, just, just be able to share, share what uh, I'm up to and, and learn from his depth of experience at a very at, at a time in education that I experienced, because that's how I, you know, it was the way I learned, and to to see what he might offer uh, as potential other avenues and insights that perhaps I'm missing because I grew up in it and I wasn't actually delivering at that time. So I, I believe we need to continue to bring forward what what did work. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I learned what that expression's all about too, which is fascinating. But anyway, (laughs) I think it's important that we carry forward what what was and continues to be adaptive and that we also challenge some of the understanding and perhaps some of the regimen of what we believe is required so that we can actually set people up to be successful and, and to be future fit. So that's who I'd talk to if I could. That would be amazing.
0: I wanted to ask one more question of you. Mm-hmm. I just, I always feel like education is really so integral to all the things that we do. So, how we play and how we work and explore, mm-hmm. do business. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom to share that might inspire the teaching and learning journey of other people.
1: I would offer the more self reflection and introspection you can do, and to not be afraid of the things you may discover about yourself that you don't like. That without that, we actually can't transform. We can't shift the mental models and beliefs that we have that may be limiting the positive effect we can have. And so it's kind of scary. And that ability to be vulnerable, to make yourself vulnerable, is actually the greatest gift you can give to yourself and to anyone and any student, any learner that, you're, that you touch. Um, and, and sometimes you know, it, it takes guidance and, and walking alongside someone else to help you do it. And it's worth it. And anything you invest in yourself is going to pay tenfold. You're never ever going to lose when you invest in yourself.
0: Those are beautiful words of wisdom and a great message to end our conversation today. Margot, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time and your story and all your words of wisdom with us. If people are curious about you and the work that you're doing at
1: Inception U, what are the best ways to find out more? I am most active on LinkedIn. (laughs) I'm I'm Jen X, man. I'm not a big social media person. So, so yeah, LinkedIn, you'll find a lot. Uh, we've got our website is inceptionu.com. At, there's more iterations of the website, because we continue to to grow and explore other opportunities as well, all based on the principles and foundations we've set. Um, I am on, I'm not very active, but you can see, uh, Inception U is active on Twitter, and is active on Instagram, and I'm mildly active on those so uh margot possible on twitter and um i think margot purcell on instagram again it 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 won't be very exciting watch for inception new stuff instead
0: well and it's hard to be active on all the places and spaces and some definitely are a
1: better fit than others i find right And I look for the most adaptive ones. So some of my activity may have dropped because I'm not sure how adaptive they are. And that's okay, too. It's more than okay. And I'll make sure to
0: share all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me, Margot. It was really nice to have this opportunity to connect with you and to learn from you today.
1: An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesch. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.